episode of Run to the Hills. I'm Chris Bland, and unfortunately this week I'm without Tim Taylor, so I'm afraid our introduction will be a little bit shorter. Tim's off for what would have been the Lakeland 100, and I think instead is pootling around hopefully some pretty mountains. But don't let it put you off. This week we have a fantastic guest, a marathon runner and now ultra-distance runner, Helen Davies. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hi, I'm Helen Davies. A little more of an introduction, Helen. A little more of an introduction. Oh, okay. Sorry, did you... <laughs> Um, I'm Helen Davies. I'm an international uh, marathon runner and uh, elite uh, uh, ultra runner for Great Britain. Um, I recently uh, achieved a world silver medal at the um, World Championships for 50k in Romania in September um, last year. Um, I'm three times uh, champion at the Brighton Marathon, and uh, yeah, um, competing in the Commonwealth Games and the European Championships. Um, that's kind of in nutshell, I think. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so I'm going to start off with a completely random question for you. Which of you, that sounds like loads of events. Which is your? Do you have to have got a lot of experience of? Do you have one that's a favourite? Any standout moments? Um, oh blimey. Um, I mean, probably uh, my my first. London Marathon, uh, well, sort of the, the, the breakthrough moment for me was London Marathon in 2010, um, where I was, where I finished a uh, third British lady, second English lady, to secure my first international vest, um, actually for the European Championships and the Commonwealth Games that, that same year. So that, that's like, that was like a real magical moment for me after sort of, you know, really only taking up running in my sort of late 20s embarking on like my first proper London marathon um in 2006 um then in 2008 getting selected for team England only sort of two years later um at, for a development squad and then a couple of years later you know sort of finishing uh third British lady at the London marathon was was all sort of a quite an exciting moment so that that year was a big you know exciting year and obviously my first um team gb fest uh the european championships in barcelona was pretty amazing and then a few months later to be you know flying off to a commonwealth games to represent team england that was you know that's always going to be really special to me as like the sort of the, the, you know the moment where it all kind of really got very exciting so what made you, you said you took up running in your late 20s what was it that first made you start yeah, so it's really just a love of, I'd always been into keeping fit and, and, and fitness and health and, you know, conscious of, you know, wanting to to do that. So I'd always kind of used gyms and things like that um, from, 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 from a teenager. Um, and running, you know, I'd always run on treadmills and things like that in the gym. And then I got my, started renting my first house once I moved out of my parents' house in a, um, that was probably 2002. Uh, started renting my first house. I couldn't afford gym membership anymore, so um, I was like, right, well, I 
just go for some runs then. So this small village in Granisville where I moved to, it was like really hilly. Um, I was just, you know, fit, just using it as a way of keeping fit, really. And I just I just loved it. You know, I just found a pair of jogging bottoms and a T-shirt and a pair of old, old trainers. And off I went, didn't know how far or how fast I was running. I just used to go out sort of first thing in the morning and just do this standard loop over the, over the village before the days of garments and things like that. So I didn't even really know how far I was running or how fast I was running. Um, so that then kind of was just what I did, really, then, for, like, to keep fit for a few years um, and then my first race yeah that was kind of bizarre so um, the pub that I managed to where I worked um, uh, there was a, a heap of flies put on the bar for a local race at Woodbridge 10k for the Woodbridge 10k which is a local attempt uh, around the town 10k and uh, someone really joked to me so oh, you know you do a bit of running you should have to go at this race back in the days when you used to have to enter things on a, a paper instead <laughs> of a check um, when you could still get into races quite easily so yeah I was like I had to go at this this local Bush NK then that would have been 2003 and uh, didn't have a clue like if I'd even ran 10k or if I could even run 10k but just turned up at this race and um, ended up finishing uh third <laughs> at the race in oh. a, a time of 43 minutes and uh so really surprised myself I was just like oh okay you know I just literally had no idea if I was any good at running I had nothing to compare myself to before I was just going out running on my own and enjoying it so, uh, so I carried on like that for another year just enjoying it for fun and fitness and the same race came around again then the following year and I thought, oh, might as well enter it again. You know? <laughs> Hadn't done enough. I didn't do any races in between. Again, um, ended up uh, running two minutes fast than I did the previous year and still finishing third lady. And so then it was off the back of that that I was then working a, a shift in the pub that, that evening after the race. And somebody came over to me and said, oh, I saw you finish third lady today. My, um, my girlfriend was, was first lady. And uh, he was the vice chairman at the time of Ipswich Jeffrey Running Club. And so he said to me, you know, you've obviously got, you know, a, a talent for running, you sort of raw talent for running, you know, you should come along to the running club and give it a go. And I was like, mm, I don't know, that sounds a bit serious. Or running clubs, <laughs> I don't know about that. So anyway, he persuaded me uh, and the running clubs uh, was on a Monday night. So that following night, I was at Ipswich Jaffa. And I walked in and, um, you know, was put at ease straight away with all these lovely, friendly people. And I went out for a run with the group, including Maria, who had been the, the winner of the race that year. And, um, and the rest is history. I was hooked. And then, uh, obviously, from there, I was then able to get, you know, structure to kind of how to train and, and get involved in the club sessions. And so the marathon thing came around pretty fast off the back of that. I was like, oh, God, I've run a marathon. I've been inspired watching Paul on telly, run a world record. And was just like, oh, no, I just love to run a marathon. And so I put in an entry for the London Marathon Ballad. Uh, so for so I, that was 2004 I joined Ipswich Jaffa. Um, put in an uh, um, entry for the London Marathon Ballad for 2005. And I didn't get in. Um, so I was like, well, I'm still going to do a marathon. So I opted to do a local marathon called the Bungie Black Dog Marathon, um, which is a, a lovely marathon, rural marathon in Suffolk, very hilly, pretty pretty tough course for a first marathon. Um, I kind of fitted the training in around a very busy uh, 
job as a, a manager of, of this local pub I worked at. And so probably the longest training run I did was a 20 mile race. Um, and so then I did the, the Bangi Black Dog Marathon, uh, won it, uh, my debut and finished at the time of 313, um, which got me then um, automatic uh, championship entry for London the following year. So I was like, yay, I'm in, because, you know, I then didn't have to go through the ballot process. So that was like, well, I just, you know, debut, won it, like, ran a reasonable time. I wasn't expecting, I didn't know what time I was going to run to be interview. <laughs> I just thought, oh, it'd be good if I could go inside 3.30. Um, so then, of course, uh, London the following year then was then uh, on the cards for 2006. Um, and that was when I then... For a bit, perhaps get some proper advice on how to train for a marathon. I was now off the London Marathon Championship start. Uh, so I then met my coach, Chloe, through um, another female runner at the club who suggested he'd be able to help me, advise me. Um, and he was you know, adamant he could get me inside a three hours from a 3.13 clock in. And I was like, don't be ridiculous. I can't run inside three hours. Like, oh, not, not next year. But I did <laughs> around 2:56 uh, in London Marathon in 2006, and so then, really, that was then where the journey and, and the progress started, and then we very quickly kind of progressed from there. 2:56 turned into 2:52, turned into 2:47, and England Fest, and then 2:45. Then went from 2:45 to 2:40, 2:41, and then from the 2:41. I did the 2.36 at London Marathon in, in 2010 to get the, the selection for Team England and, uh, and Great Britain at the Commonwealth Games and European Championships that year. So, yeah, it kind of turned into something that was just a hobby. Um, yeah, into uh, uh, something bigger than I ever expected. Do you remember what some of those first changes were to get you inside three hours? Or what, like, yeah. the first steps as a coach they took? Yeah, so uh, just some structure, really. Uh, certainly introducing um, more miles. Um, when I trained for the local marathon, I was probably only running three to four times a week and was managing to do, like, a 16-, 17-mile long run at the weekends and then did, like, one of this local 20-mile races. It's the longest sort of training run in the build-up to it so yeah just introducing sessions as well so I would do you know the Jaffa track session on Monday night and then I would do another session in the week introducing you know that additional hard session um, and obviously just getting that structure into the training so you know the nice pyramid of building the miles up and then increasing that long run at the weekends to then getting to, I think, I think we did a maximum long run of uh, probably 23, 24 miles in the build-up to that first marathon. So those are kind of like the key changes, really, just the addition of the more miles, the uh, sessions, you know, pace work, um, that kind of thing. Have you stayed with the same coach all the way through? No, I have. <laughs> He's stuck with me. <laughs> 15 years now, he's been coaching me, Clive Sparks, bless him. Um, I don't That's think he, he paid him. That's absolutely amazing. Yeah, I know. I sometimes think, wow, how have he managed it? Because, I mean, it's really been, at times, a roller coaster. And, I mean, he's seen me, you know, go through everything. You know, obviously, when I first met with Clive, you know, it was 
uh, working full time and no family. And he's seen me kind of go through the process of then going part time to then make a decision to become give up my job to become a full time athlete. And then, uh, you know, chasing, you know, the, the, the 2012 Olympic qualifier, then post that having a break to have the boys and then coming back to it and then since coming back to it you know uh, I don't think either of us expected that I would have the success that I've had since coming back to the running after having the boys so it's been a hell of a journey and um, I don't think anybody probably knows me quite as well as he does. Okay. <laughs> um, I imagine a lot of people dream of being a full-time athlete and I think even if they're not that serious about running or whatever their sport is, but it always lingers as a bit of a, a fantasy, a bit of a dream. Is there anything that caught you by surprise when you went full time? Yeah, um, I think probably the like just uh, how you know intense it then becomes um, from the point of view that okay, uh, it's literally all about running now. You know, there's not that kind of something else to just take your mind off it or divert your attention away from it for a bit to, to add balance you know it is all consuming and so um yeah there's, there's obviously a lot a lot of downtime and, and things like that um I think it was easier once I started to do the altitude training camps and sort of get into a camp environment with other athletes where you are then in that environment and everybody is then in the same situation and it's all about running um resting, refueling, running again, going in the gym, doing the strength and conditioning work. Um, so, you know, then becomes much easier when you're in an environment where, you know, that is literally, you know, the way everybody's doing everything. But when you're in a normal environment at home, uh, it's, it's very difficult to be disciplined in that time in between training uh, to actually go, okay, I'm going to rest and recover and you know do all of those things that I should do like rolling and stretching it's difficult to not be distracted and you know and want to perhaps you know pop out and see people and things like that so yeah yeah obviously the 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 need for like being really disciplined and um and kind of you know it's all you think about all the time um you know when you when you have a bad session or things aren't going so well when you're a full-time athlete that's when it gets difficult because there isn't that distraction or that other thing that you can then turn your attention to. Yeah, I imagine, especially for a lot of people, the stress comes from day-to-day -day life, the job, sort of things like that, and running's the release. And then I imagine it just completely switches around. Yeah, absolutely. It, it totally does. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I found it much easier uh, now, coming back to running after having the boys, to you know have these sort of these two separate things that run you know really well side by side you know that I can be Helen the runner but then you know the minute I come in the door switch that athlete switch gets flipped back to mummy switch and I become mummy again so you know it's if I've had a bad run I've had a bad session it's like tough you just put it behind me and then get on with being mummy so yeah that's that is um, obviously I think you know not much nicer and I found it much healthier certainly uh in terms of in terms of that um but yeah it's uh it's um when you're a full-time athlete that is the tricky thing and I kind of took the plunge to do that um 
make that decision to in 2010 when I got the selection, the double selection. And I, at the time I was um, uh, full-time working as catering manager for the National Trust. So, you know, it was a really great job, which I loved and really enjoyed. I was like, you know, this opportunity is now and I'm only going to have this opportunity to really give this everything and, you know, two championships in one year and the opportunity to go to altitude training camps. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, the, the company wasn't in a position to offer me a sabbatical or anything like that. So luckily with the support of my husband, you know, we were able to make the decision to then go, okay, all in, you know, we give up the job, we give this everything for this year, maybe for a couple of years up to 2012 and see how it goes. So, yeah, it certainly was quite a big change from having a really busy job that involved a lot of hours and cramming these runs in, barely having time to do it, to then having so much time that, uh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, but you, you kind of get used to it. So. Did you see a big improvement? Uh, yeah, certainly did. I mean, just um, probably from, you know, obviously being able to go on the altitude training camps and being able to really put absolutely everything, not just, you know, time into the training, but time into everything else as well. You know, the recovery, the nutrition, getting in the gym and doing strength and everything, all those extra little bits, you know, when normally you've only got time to just cramming one or two runs a day and everything else goes out the window around work and, and other commitments you know when you're on these the camps for three to four weeks you're not only getting a, an amazing block of quality training and altitude but it's like everything else that goes with it you know you, you live you know, sleep breathe running recovery you know nutrition everything you do is is you know under the under the microscope and you really take extra care of doing everything properly amazing um so i'm afraid we're actually running low on time so i'm going to move okay. on to our <laughs> lightning round questions i'll ask you these uh, a reasonable speed but you can take your sweet time um answering them so don't worry first question for you road or trail road <laughs> Hot or cold? Cold. Okay, sun or rain? Rain. Favourite music to run to, if any, or podcast, audiobook, anything like that? Oh, uh, um, just upbeat pop music to run to. Anything you've listened to lately you've enjoyed? Um... Oh, just anything and everything. Chart music that's out. Don't really have a particular favourite. But well, no worries. Okay, <laughs> how many pairs of trainers do you own? Um, really hard to tell you off the top of my head. That's obviously quite a lot. How many pairs of trainers <laughs> is out there in the lobby? Six, seven, ten. Probably that's ten. Not that many. We think, that's we all think right. ten. Maybe. Yeah, no, <laughs> oh, and there's probably some upstairs. Yeah, 10 or 12. <laughs> <laughs> 10 or 12, okay. And what's the longest you've gone without washing any of your running kit? Without washing any of my running kit? Uh, hmm. Okay, well, uh, without washing it properly would probably be when I was in Kenya in altitude camps. 
So without actually washing it at all, probably two days. But then even then it was only just rinsed down with a bucket of water. So you could possibly say four weeks if you like. <laughs> washing it, washing it, actually washing it properly. <laughs> um, what's the strangest thing you've ever seen on a run? Strangest thing I've ever seen on a run. Oh, I saw a guy on a penny farthing the other day. That was pretty strange. Yeah, you. For real. For real, yes. I was like, I was at the end of the session, so I was a bit disorientated, and I thought, there's a guy floating down the road, because I couldn't actually see the bike. <laughs> As I got a bit nearer, he was on a penny farthing. What was he I wearing? Know. Just normal clothes. <laughs> oh, and I hardly see it. I hope he's joking. Uh, I feel that's a shame. <laughs> if you're in a penny farthing, you need to go the whole hog. Yeah, and I was just farthing, you need to go the whole yeah. hog. And weirdly, my coach had just been to have his hair cut. Uh, his hairdresser lives a couple of um, houses down the road. And so he was then popping around to have a cup of coffee and a ketchup. And he was like, do you know what? He said, the guy just turned up on a penny farthing at my hairdresser's house to have his hair cut. And I said, weird. I just saw him on the road. <laughs> it was just so peculiar. Such a strange thing to see. And then he happened to turn up in our road for his haircut. So, yeah, that's a bit strange. I've probably seen weird things in that, but that's the most recently weird thing. Oh, definitely take that. Okay. Um, <laughs> what's the sketchiest place you've been for a run? The sketchiest place? Sketchiest. Mm. Sketchiest place I've been for a run. How do you mean by sketchy? Like Weird? that, not quite safe. A little oh. bit uncomfortable. Oh, uh, mm. the sketchiest place I've been for a run. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's some pretty sketchy places around here, to be honest with you. Um, oh gosh, I don't really know to be honest with you. I mean, I've run this Uh, yeah, Romania was Romania was a little bit odd, yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> but, uh, um, doing the, the training runs uh, before the race, there <laughs> you'll feel I think someone else had that as an answer as well, so I'll allow that. <laughs> okay, and what's the most interesting prize you've ever seen at a race? Doesn't have to be one you've won, but just one that caught your eye. Most interesting prize. Oh, well, I want a mattress. That was quite cool. What was that? Yeah, I won a mammoth um, mattress, one of those really cool ones, at Tunbridge Wells Half Marathon in 2012. And it was absolutely amazing. It was literally one of the best things I've ever won. Weirdest, but best things I've ever won. Um, brilliant. So I've still got it now. <laughs> right, well, on that note, we'll call it a day. Helen, thank you so much for talking to us. Where can people find you on things like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, anywhere like that? Yeah, so at Helen uh, J Runs Davies is my Instagram. We'll, um, stick a, we'll stick a link up to all of this. Just let people yeah, know. and Helen Runs uh, Helen J Davies on Facebook.